Well, hi everybody. Welcome to Stress Free Lounge. I'm your host, Bill Little, and uh, it is the 28th of October, 2021. Uh, it's great to be here. I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, we have a special guest here uh, coming up in a few moments. Uh, but anyway, yes, um, my uh, my beautiful wife Natasha has come back uh, from uh, Soviet Union, uh, Russia, I should say. Uh, the reason I said Soviet Union is because she brought me this uh, bitchin' T-shirt. Uh, actually breaks my heart to say, um, might, might as well just put FBI in there, but in any event, uh, I like it. I think it's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, so, uh, it's, I, I don't know how I got through the last three weeks. I don't know how I got through the last, uh, you know, 57 years. I just couldn't, uh, couldn't figure it out. I got a chance to, to kind of relive those, uh, bachelor days for the last three weeks and they ain't no fun at all. So anyway, yeah, it's been, um, like I, I mentioned, I think a couple weeks ago, I've just been inert, uh, like a, uh, I'm like a pie. I just sat around and watched TV and YouTube and did pretty much absolutely nothing. Uh, so, uh, because, because the, that's the thing about being a bachelor, you know, the reason you don't have to clean up anything or get up and do anything or anything like that is because you don't have to. And so it's not like she's constantly whipping me into shape. It's just that, you know, I'm embarrassed. Uh, so I have, a, and I haven't checked emails in a week and a half or something. So I get all cut up on that. But in any event, I got back late last night and, um, and it was great. So she'll be out in a few minutes. Uh, let's see. Um, I had, uh, we did the, um, we did the, uh, virtue signal shows with Zoe earlier today. And, um, when we were talking about, uh, well, I'll let you see him, but I actually had a thought, uh, uh, for a change. And, uh, and, and this is, this is the thought, uh, I, I become just, I just become more convinced every day that, um, that we're, that we're going to win this thing. I'm not saying we're winning right now, but I'm saying I just, every day I become more and more convinced, uh, as I've said many times on this show, 10 years ago, I thought, man, we're in trouble. Now that we're in trouble, I think 10 years from now, they're going to be fine. And, and I had a, I had a, actually had a great historical analogy come to me. So I'll just share that with you real quick. And then we'll bring out our special guests and then I'll take what questions we can and so on. Uh, volume is very low. Let me check. Oh, well, let's make sure. Let's see. Give it a little kick there. Is that a little better? Hopefully. Um, okay. Uh, so I actually, because, you know, I'm a big history fan and, and I'm always looking for examples of this. And one of the things I talked about today was uh, one of the content, uh, one of the shows was uh, was called Self-Defense. And uh, I realized that, as you probably realize, that this this deadly war for the for the future of this country that we're in, 
the targets aren't what they used to be. They're not airfields, they're not battleships, they're not uh, population centers, they're not rail lines. The, the target on this latest and most dangerous attack is us. It's not only, it's not, it's not even our physical bodies because uh, they don't have the ability to do that. That's what the Second Amendment bought us. They, they can't hurt us physically. Uh, they can completely hurt us and control our behavior psychologically. And when I say they can't hurt us physically, if you decided to do something against this thing, you would say, well, okay, well, if I do that, then the police will show up and arrest me. Yes, that's true. Some of them would, some wouldn't, but more would than I, than I thought previously. But my point is, if everybody just stopped going along with this, then, um, then it's over for them. Take a pre-existing example, just since this flew into my head. If you don't pay your taxes, you get in real trouble, you go eventually go to jail. But if everybody in the country didn't pay their taxes, then what would they do? This is why payroll withholding is such a dangerous and deadly thing. Not only do you not get to touch your own money and find out how much you made, but basically the money you make from a corporation is essentially held by the government and then just released to you. So, so anyway, here's what here's here's the actual historical analogy that I that I thought about. This is how it feels to me. During World War One, the Germans killed the French and the English at a ratio of about three to one. The Germans launched this massive offensive at the beginning of the war. They took all of this territory, and then when the when the war of maneuver ended, and they the whole basic rate, you know, the whole basic race to this the battle of maneuver and stuff. Once the trench line extended from the English Channel to Switzerland, once those Western Front trenches were in place, and we got to the World War One that we think of when we think of World War One, the Germans had Put the trenches on all of these ridges. They had the high ground. They had permanent dugouts. Unlike the British dugouts that were just sandbagged and the French dugouts were just mud. The German dugouts, concrete reinforcement, they had bunkers that were 30, 40, 50 feet below the earth and they just sat there and waited for the English and the French to attack because the Germans were on French territory and they just gunned them down. And if something hadn't happened, that's how Germany would have won the war. They just would have kept bleeding them at a rate of three to one. And then finally, the English and the French, English would have left and the French would have said, well, I guess we just lost a third of our territory. And that's how the Germans planned to win. And it was going real well for them too. And then America got into the war. And then Germany realized this. It took, took us a while to get into the war. We didn't declare war until 1917 and we weren't really able to do anything. We didn't, our army was smaller than Portugal's. But by the time we start to get to the end of 17 and early 18, the Germans realized, my God, there's 20,000 of these gigantic corn-fed corn Iowa farm boys who, and let's not forget this either, Americans who had cousins who stayed back in England, same genetic stock, in the space of a generation, were something like six or seven inches taller. In other words, if... if there are two brothers in England and one brother goes to America and, and raises a family there and the other one stays in England. By the time you were one generation down, at least two generations down, the Americans were four or five inches taller, 50, 60 pounds heavier. They're just because there's so much more, um, uh, the food was better, the exercise, the clean air, all of it. They weren't living in these slum conditions. They weren't, you get the idea. So these huge Americans are coming off the boat and they're coming off the boat in larger numbers every day. And here is where we get to the point. Um, the Germans watched this happen and they said, okay, now 
time which used to be with us is now against us. Now every single day they're getting stronger and stronger. And when America, with all of its huge population and these huge soldiers and their spirit and their, you know, once the Americans really get into the war, then it's just a question of time and then, then, then their offensives are going to finally succeed. So in 1917, they planned the big 1918 offensives. Ludendorff planned these three or four massive offensives. And, um, and they were collectively called the Ludendorff uh, Offenses. But in early March of 1918, they started the first one, which was Operation Michael. Now, here's where we get to where I think we are today in the culture war. So the Germans had been playing defense the whole time. The lines had been established. The fronts had been there for three or four years. In other words, prior to about last year, prior to COVID, you know, the lines were there and back and forth and back and forth. And maybe we're falling back a little bit. But when Operation Michael began, the Germans had new tactics, they had, they had special troops, and they broke through the lines and they just kept going. So in a war where a big victory that cost you 12,000 killed might get you maybe a half a mile of territory, maybe a mile, a day after Operation Michael begins, the Germans are 15, 20 miles ahead, and by the time we're in the third day, they're 30, 40 miles. They've advanced on a 40-mile front, miles and miles wide. They just knocked down the lines and just went into the rear and spread and spread and spread. And I'd love to tell you that the Allies didn't panic, but they did. They did panic, but they didn't surrender. So Operation Michael goes and, and spreads and spreads and spreads and spreads and spreads and spreads and spreads. Finally, it stopped spreading. Not because they stopped them on the line, but because they just didn't have the troops and they didn't have the means of continuing this thing to knock them out of the war. So this offensive goes and they push the lines way back, but the French and the British kind of fall back and they're convinced the war is lost, but they don't surrender. They back up, back up, back up. All of this territory they fought so hard for gone in an hour. And then they launch a second one, then they launch a third one. And by the time the third one is over, Here's what happened. The Germans had taken all of the ammunition that they'd built up for years, all of their advantages in terrain, all of it, and spent it on these offenses because they knew they had to put the they had to end this war before the Americans arrived. And so they they shot everything they had. And it was a tremendous success, but it wasn't enough to win the war. And the only way the Germans were going to get to win the war was to get the British and the French to surrender or call for terms. Germans are sitting in French territory. So if suddenly they say, all right, you know what, let's just, let's just stop fighting, then the Germans picked up a third of France. But when they shot those offensives... And, and, and they were tremendously successful offensives, and they scared the living daylights out of everybody on the Allied side. But when the dust had settled, they had, like I said, they'd caused the Allies to panic, but they hadn't caused them to surrender. And once the German offensives were launched, all of their spirit, all of their material, all of their ammunition, all of their everything had gone into these offensives, and they simply didn't close the deal. And from that point forward, it was the collapse of Germany was astonishing, astonishing how fast that happened. Once the Americans really got into the war and started their first offensives in um, in uh, Sherman de Dam and Meuse Argonne offensives, 
Ludendorff, who was the leader of the Germans on the West Front, he was basically the commander, and Kaiser didn't know what was going on, and Hindenburg really didn't either. Ludendorff basically said, and Hindenburg said too, that the war ended on this one day they called Black Thursday during an American offensive because the Americans were using air power and land power together, and, 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 and they did what the British and the French been trying to do for four years. They did it in, in a week. So this is where I think we are right now, gang. I genuinely believe it. Uh, I think we are in the midst of the of these Ludendorff offensives. I think we're right around here looking at Operation Michael and we're looking at all the things that the left has done and all of the ground they've taken, all of the damage and all of all of this pushed us back, pushed us back. My God, they're here, they're there. There's no way to stop them. They're, they're winning, 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 winning. We're falling back, falling back, falling back, falling back, falling back. But the one thing I am utterly convinced of more and more every day is that they do not, they are not going to win the war. They're, they don't have the power. To, to finish it. They don't because the resistance, real resistance now is, is stiffening. You can feel it. I talked with Zoe about this earlier. It's like, imagine soft old Americans. It's just a giant marshmallow and they've compressed it and 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 compressed it. And everybody who was going to go along has gone along. And now we're at the point in time where all that's left of us is this, is this nucleus this hardcore of people who are simply not going to. And when I say simply not going to, I'm talking about I'm seeing more of this every day. And since I'm seeing it, that means it's happening far more often than the ones I'm seeing. And that is I'm seeing airline pilots who say, look, my, my family depends on my job and, and I wanted to be a pilot my whole life. And Southwest Airlines tells me I have to get the uh, shot or else, I'm, or else I don't get to fly anymore. So I guess I'm done being an airline pilot. I'm done being a fireman. I'm done being a, uh, a policeman. I'm done with all of this stuff. And that's what I mean by saying that it is now, we are now at this. So think about it. All of the ele election, let's just call them irregularities. We knew that they were cheating in elections, but we didn't know that they had a machine that could dial up the victory to whatever degree necessary. All of their hidden weapons, all of their emplaced artillery positions for the ambush, all of that stuff that they had in wait for us, and I'm including COVID too, all of this stuff, all of their weapons are now exposed. They've done their damage. They've done horrendous damage. But all those hidden artillery batteries and all those hidden machine gun nests and all of it, they have opened fire with all of them. We know where they are. They've done enormous damage, but they've got nothing left. They've got nothing left. And every single day it gets clearer and clearer to them that we that we're just simply not going to surrender we're just not that that we're just going to keep going and what we find is yeah what we find is is that when you push back they they bolt it is it's like kind of like the thing i did on china they they are essentially i'm not saying they're hollow i'm saying they've 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 been amassing ammunition for four decades now, and they've spent it all. So now, for the first time, you see parents who hadn't been going to uh, school board meetings showing up enraged, uh, saying, what's the stuff you're putting in our kids' heads? Tink, uh, tink, tink. Call a 25-minute recess as we get in our cars and run. And then the attorney general says, well, I'm directing the FBI to uh, look into this as domestic terrorism. What happened after that? There's enough of an outrage from what's left of the country 
so that they, they're questioning him on this, and 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 what's his name, uh, Garrett, whatever, Merritt Garland is 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 just uh, I'm not, uh, I'm unaware of this, and I'm not sure. Well, that's not what we know. It's not the job of the federal. Just back, 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 back. Once the pushback happens, they start walking back. They got nothing there. There's nothing there. They have no power over us. The only power they have over us is the power that we give to them. And we have, we are reaching, we have reached the point where enough people have realized that this isn't politics and this isn't, well, our side, there's, this is an attack on the fundamentals of the country. And, this, and so we're basically saying no, no, uh-uh, no. And I see it there. I see it. I've been seeing it in the pop culture for years now, um, everywhere. It's like, no, we're not. We're just not going to do it. And, and that's telling me that they don't have the men or the ammo to knock us out of the fight. And that their entire strategy with this thing that's been going on since COVID first broke, their entire strategy is to get us to surrender, is to get us to the point where we say, well, there's obviously nothing we can do against big tech and the election system is completely compromised. There'll never be another fair election again. And, 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 and this is really it's the end of the country. And, and, uh, and uh, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just constantly, constantly, constantly an attack not only on our morale, but an attack on our sanity. Our, our, it's an attack on our sanity. It's an attack on 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 everything we believe. It's we're, we're supposed to, you know, we're told we're supposed. To, I saw Mark Dice do something the other day, and it, and he was really right on. You know, I think it was Mark Dice. Actually, it was Ben Shapiro, and I don't watch much of anybody else, but I happened to see this. I'm pretty sure it was Ben. Come to think of it, and he says their job is to convince you of things like, of course. The American people love the transgender movement and think it's great that we have transgendered athletes. The American people don't think that at all. The American people love this socialism thing. They don't. The American people are, are this and this and this and the American people support you. No, they don't. They don't. It's not true. It's not true. I don't know if you've seen um, it. I'll have it in the show for tomorrow. But somebody put together a supercut and it'll blow your mind. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, it's it's out there. It's a supercut of all these. You know how many how many times have we heard the news network saying, "Oh, you know, the COVID fatalities are now reached two million. There's just fear mongering, fear mongering, and 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 people are still somehow for some reason resisting the the vaccine, and it just doesn't make any sense. They're killing people. Okay, and somebody did a supercut of every single news program. And it says, uh, you know, CNN this morning brought to you by Pfizer. America Today brought to you by Pfizer. There's nothing you report brought to you by Pfizer, by Pfizer, 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 Pfizer. It's not just Pfizer. But when you see the number of, of news shows that are sponsored by Pfizer and, and this report brought to you by Pfizer, 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 you realize that it's that the truth of it is right in front of you. They're just convinced that they can make you not see it. They're convinced that we just won't see it. But we have run out of, they've run out of room. That's really all I'm saying. Yes, they had enormous, enormous, and enormous advance 
and, and, and they covered territory that we've been trying to hold for years and they blew us on our heels and we thought the world is coming to an end and, and, and so on and so on and so on. And just like the allies, I'd like to say we didn't panic, but we did panic and that's an appropriate response. That's what happens when you have that kind of punch in the face, that kind of sneak attack like we saw on November uh, 4th of last year. It's just a sneak attack. And you say, what, what? They're everywhere, they're everywhere. They're behind us. My God, it's over, it's over, it's over. We panicked, but we didn't surrender. And that is why we're gonna win. That's why we're gonna win. They don't have guns. They don't like guns. They're afraid of a, of a, of a paring knife. Uh, they're terrified by spiders. And the, these are the people that are, that are taking our country away. And they're doing it by convincing us to surrender it. And, um, and they got pretty close. Uh, Scott Ott pointed out on one of our um, right angle shows, he said, you surprised? We were talking about parents, you know, showing up at these uh, rallies and stuff, at, at, not rallies, at school board meetings and, and, and kids coming home indoctrinated. And he, and he basically said the kind of thing nobody wants to hear. He says, are you surprised? You turned your children over to the state to educate them. And now they come back with the values of the state. And you're surprised at this? All of the things that we that we that they've achieved, they've achieved because we let them achieve it, and we let them achieve it because it was easier than the alternative. When I talked to Zoe today about this uh, segment uh, called self-defense, I said, "Look, if they're attacking the citizenry, if they're attacking our our emotional state and our spiritual state, how do we defend ourselves?" And I, I was specifically talking about the fact that the thing we mostly need to do is we need. Uh, to get some physical exercise. You know why? Because I, I started this thing by saying, listen, for the last three weeks, especially three weeks, but really for the last five years, I've just been feeling my energy levels going down. I've just been feeling all of this just going down. And I went and I saw the doctor and then, you know, and your testosterone levels are low and well, you're, you know, you're in your 60s and watching these charts and stuff. And I said, great. So I did what everybody else did and, the, and every other American did. Uh, I said, get, get, well, let's, well, here we are in America. We get everything you want. Let's get, give me the easy solution. Give me the shot. Just give me a, a, a testosterone shot. And I'll get my back. And he said, I can't do that. I mean, I can give you the shot, but it won't be absorbed. You can't absorb it. So well, that's not good. What can you do? And he said, you can do uh, leg exercises. What now? He said, yes, this is how this is how you can rebuild your testosterone levels is by is by exercise but specifically exercising the big muscles of the leg and the buttocks area that's what actually generates it if i give you an injection of it now it'll simply it just won't be absorbed for reasons that are almost clear to me but not quite uh, okay so now i've got a choice do i want to sit around and uh and and watch tv or do i want to do the the leg exercises I need to do in order to build my testosterone levels up. And so far I've been watching TV. And now we get to the point of all this, right? Is we think that all of this soy stuff, all of this woke stuff, we think it's coming from the top down. The direction is coming from the top down, but the, um, the raw material of it, the clay is coming from the bottom up. We talk about these soy boys, well, they are soy boys. Why are they soy boys? Is it because somebody taught them to be soy? No. 
It's because they don't get any exercise. And because they don't get any exercise, they don't have any testosterone in their bloodstream. And falling testosterone levels all across the, 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 the West, not across the planet, across the West, have been plummeting. And the more that the T levels fall, the weaker the men become, the flabbier they become, the more willing to take all of this crap we become. And that makes the women nuts. And then the women start either overreaching for power or trying to step into this void where strong men used to be. And on and on and on and on and on and on we go. And you end up with, you know, a nation of, we used to be a nation of John Wayne's and now we're a nation of Will Wheaton's. Will Wheaton's, you know, just that, that thing. I got to thinking about all this because two days ago I saw a picture on Reddit, uh, not Reddit, Reddit? Yes, yeah, was Reddit, Reddit. Um, and, uh, and it was a photograph of, I think it was probably Santa Monica, but it might've been, um, it might've been like Atlantic city, but what it was basically was a big wide shot of like a pier next to a beach. So you got, you got hundreds of people in the picture and they're all in bathing suits and Everybody is taken in 1964, somewhere around there. Everybody is unbelievably fit. And the caption on this was, is, this is what America looked like before there were processed foods. And there's a lot of truth to that. Before they started putting high fructose corn syrup in steak, you know, in bread. There was a, Scott mentioned something on one of our shows. He said uh, that, uh, oh, the episode we did on Pop-Tarts, which is a classic which should be out tomorrow, I guess. And basically, he said that the, the Irish government said to the subway uh, company, they said, you can't call this bread. Why not? It's just because our definition of bread, the fact you have to have a definition of bread is a bit of a problem. But he said, no, our, our definition is bread is a substance that contains this, this, and this, and is less than 2% sugar. And, and subway bread has 10% sugar. So... You take away the exercise, you add all of these. Uh, I'm not one of these guys who talks about chemicals and stuff like, oh, preserve. I'm, I'm just not that guy. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying I'm just not that guy. But when you find out how much of this high fructose corn syrup is in everything and how addictive it is, when Natasha first came to America, she couldn't she couldn't eat anything really because it's like everything was so sweet. It tasted so sweet. Now it's like everything else, you know, mm, give me some more of this delicious, sweet nicotine filled, uh, you know, whatever. But you get the idea, right? So I'm not even saying that this particular part was planned, but I am saying that the left would not have gotten as far as they've gotten if, if we hadn't been so soyanized. And, and so this is the truth. So, what do we do about it? Well, we got to get the, the testosterone back in the society. We are out of balance. I've seen societies that are over testosterone, like the Nazis, don't want to go there. And I've seen some of these macho societies in South America, and I've seen some of these dominant societies in the Middle East. And I don't want to go to an over testosterone society, but we are drowning in estrogen in this country now. And, uh, and that is not something that's going to be fixed by Donald Trump or anybody else. It's going to be fixed by exercise. And it's just that simple. It just occurred to me. It's like, why are we losing all this stuff? Why, why, are, we, why are we in this kind of trouble? 
and I'm looking for all these psychological reasons, and I'm looking for all these sociological reasons, and I'm looking for... It's because we're not exercising, because there's not enough testosterone in the bloodstream of the males of this society to stop it. And it was like a thunderbolt for me. It's like, oh, okay. So, it's just that easy and just that hard, huh? Yep. Just that easy and just that hard. You want to save the country? Get off the couch. I'm not talking about figuratively get off the couch. I'm not talking about get off the couch in terms of getting on school boards or, or running for office. I'm talking about get off the couch and, and start producing children and giving the, the young men of this country, especially the young men, good physical fitness is good for everybody, but that's not the, that's not the high level problem I'm talking about. Okay. So you got to, you, when I look, I look at, I go, the thing that drives me insane, among many other things, is when I go to a place like that picture I mentioned, if I go to Santa Monica or something like that, and I see fat kids, it, I just lose my mind. I just, I just really lose my mind. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know what to say about it. It's, it's, it's just, it, it's, 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 I feel so sorry for them. Uh, ditto uh, third said uh, take the video games away I don't think you have to take the video games away on some level the video games are, are, their, are their retreat it's like in video games they get to be men at least psychologically and they get to they, video games are just about killing things video games are about making money so you can buy bigger weapons I don't have a problem with the video games I have a problem with the lack of exercise and all of this, the biology of it is just a real recent, recent, recent uh, thing for me. So now I know what I have to do. Scott Ott lost, I think he lost 30 pounds. Uh, and he did it through walking. He just walks a lot. And, um, and now he's at the point where I think he walks four or five miles a day. He lost 30 pounds. And he, and he lost 30 pounds because he was exercising those large muscles, and uh, I'm sure his T levels went up, and um, and I'm going to have to smack around a little bit uh, to enforce compliance. Let's see how it works. It's just easy. And here's the last thing I'll say about this before we bring out our special guest. By the way, this is a quick, a quick, quick, quick aside. When computer arcade when arcade games were a thing when 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 um, video game arcades were a thing at the towards the very end of this time uh, there was a game and it was like a fantasy game uh, and there was like a, a, a like a almost like a da Vinci kind of a flying machine and you had like handlebars and you sat on it and you had pedals and you had to kind of fly around and pop these balloons. But if you wanted to climb, you had to pedal faster. And if you wanted to get through the tunnel, you had to continue to pedal. So you'd pedal to maintain altitude, and then you'd pedal faster to gain altitude, and you'd slow down, you could dive. And I only saw it in one place, but it was a blast. And, and I would have played that thing for hours and hours. And so when I say, when somebody says they should, you know, uh, they should uh, take away their video games, I don't think that's the answer. I think the answer is, that the computer need to be muscle powered. That as long as they're moving their legs, they get all the electricity, play video games as long as they want to. But if, but, but that's what essentially I'm saying. 
You know, yeah, you want to play video games? Great. And and by the way, if you did that, you wouldn't get this. Um, you wouldn't get this uh, rage quitting. You wouldn't get these these kids who are so because I've been that kid. I've been that guy where I'm playing a video game, and especially when I'm playing against other people. It's one thing to play lose to the computer, but when I lose to somebody who I know is a real person, I just get nuts. And the reason I get nuts is because I'm emotionally and, and intellectually in this world, and all of my adrenaline is up, and, and I've got a pretty strong killer instinct, especially when it comes to things like, uh, you know, aviation-related games and shoot guys down, that kind of thing. And and all this adrenaline is there in these kids, but no exercise. They don't get to burn it off. So not only, not only do they get fat and filled with soy, they also get filled with adrenaline that never gets burned off. And so they become anxious and they become bitter and depressed and all the rest of it, all the rest of it, all the rest of it. You get the idea. So... Um, uh, Helio 1776 says, you don't need to be active literally all day. Train hard for 30 to 60 minutes. Don't eat crap food. And if you're really wanting to put the effort in, remove the chair from your workstation and buy a standing desk. Grand advice, and I'm going to try and take as much of that as I possibly can. And now now we're going to find out what we're made of. After Scott lost that weight, I got an, uh, an app. And, and, uh, and so far, I've just looked at the app. But I really, truthfully, was waiting for my wife to come home. And basically, the app says, how tall are you? What do you weigh? How old are you? Lie about all three of these things. Uh, and then um, then the app says, how much weight do you want to lose? And I said, I want to lose 25 pounds, I think. 25 pounds, 30 is a little much. Uh, I've gotten into the low 190s, 193. Generally, you know, 191, 192, 193. I remember when, when I was at 185, I was in a full-blown panic and six, seven years ago, when I when I, my weight got higher than I wanted, I just would eat less and it would go away. Not happening anymore. Not happening anymore. So anyway, I entered these numbers into this app, and I said, "Here's what I want. I want to. I want to. I want to be probably around 172. I think it's probably my best weight. Six one. 172 is lean. Anything less than that is uh, is real thin. My friend Phil, who you saw here." couple weeks ago and I'm sure is watching this now at some point uh, when Phil got off the train I oh my god is he okay I thought he's, he, Phil changed his diet and he lost a lot of weight um, Helio says don't worry about the weight bill go by how you feel and perform that's actually a really great point so let me tell you how I feel I feel sluggish let me tell you how I perform I'm not performing well and I can feel it when I move and a lot of the suits and stuff that I used to wear don't fit me anymore um, so uh, and and it affects me. And I see it. I can see it in my. <laughs> so anyway, um, according to body mass index, my ideal weight at this height is 168. That's too little. I'd be look if I'm in the 170s, I'm I'm perfectly happy. But that's still that's still 15 pounds away at least. 17 pounds. Okay, so let's say I want to lose 20 pounds. Um, so so I enter this into the app, and I say I want to lose 20 pounds, and I give it the weight and the height and the, and the age, and the app says, okay, you're going to need to lose a net 114,622 calories. So, well, okay, probably just not eat chicken wings for the next 
did the math of 723 years or something, and then and then then I'll be fine. But here's what the app did. It said you need to lose. It, it was a six-digit number of, of calories, of kilocalories, and I thought, okay, well at least it's being honest. And then it said, and here's how we're going to start. Here's your here's your program. If you do this every day, you will have lost 25 pounds by January 7th or some number like that. Day one, you walk for 24 minutes. Okay, so that's what I'm going to start doing. By God, and as I was tell, talking to Zoe, because he he not only is a, a self defense instructor, but he also was a drummer, and I played drums briefly for fun, and that is a that's a workout. And I said, man, I'm just getting more and more tired. The more tired I get, the, the more I sleep and the less I, I move. And that makes me more tired. Um, and uh, somebody asked what the app was called. And, and, I, and I, there was a period in my life in my 30s when I was working out. And I, and I just decided to do it. And then the next thing you know, I'm doing it every day. And as I explained on the Virtue Signal show, this will be not news for you guys if you're it's called, um, let me show you got the right one. There's a hundred of them. But the one I've got is called um, Step Tracker and Walking, something or other. Here's the only exercise I get. I get, uh, this is, here we go. Oh, I'm exhausted. <sighs> Step Counter and GPS Walks. That's what it looks like. Um, actually, let's bring that back. And it's things like staying hydrated. I don't drink enough water. I need 84 workouts, and I'm on zero of 84. I'm waiting for my wife. And now that she's here, I think I'll be able to come up with some new excuse. But you get the idea, right? So honestly, it's really what it comes down to. Why are we losing the country? We're losing the country because we are, because most of us, have decided to let this happen to us. Why? Well, because the overall state of testosterone in the country is much lower than it's ever been and, and is dangerously low. Why is it dangerously low? Well, it always falls off with age. That's the way it is. But we're not getting any exercise. Young people especially, the people who should be the, at their peak testosterone levels, are, are their levels are lower than mine. And so what do we do about that? Just, well, give me the shot. That's the easy thing to do, right? Just give me the shot. Nope. So, the way we save the country is by doing deep knee bends or walking for an hour or half an hour. Uh, and because of that, the testosterone levels will rise. And because of the rising testosterone levels, our willingness to uh, accept the coerced uh, tyranny that they're putting on us will decrease. And uh, typed on think says weak men, dot, dot, dot. There it is, right? Been talking about this forever. I never thought about the biology of it. I did, but not on an individual level, right? Weak men make bad times. Bad times make strong men. Strong men make good times. Good times make, make weak men. All right. And if you strengthen the men, something else we talked with Zoe about and he understands completely. If you strengthen the men, then the women stop being crazy. And I think that's something we should all be uh, going for. So um, at this point, speaking of which, I think I will bring out uh, my special guest who, uh, who always looks spectacular, but tonight just especially uh, crazy, looks crazy good. Uh, and as um, 
1894303030 beat me to the punch but tonight's strategy for lunch brought to you by Pfizer Oh, and speaking of which, I talked with um, I talked with uh, Dim Cock, and we'll be doing our show next week. He's been he's been having some issues, and I guess I have been too. All right, uh, excuse me one second. I will I will go and escort our our next guest uh, to the uh, to the uh, abattoir. Damn it, Natasha, get out here! Come on! Don't keep me waiting. God damn it! Who do you think you're talking with here? Oh hi, honey. Hi. Hi, honey. Hi, honey. Yeah, I know. There's a chair. I got a chair for you, and 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 and, and, and I got everything all sorted out for you. Hey, hey! Here she is. She's back, back from uh, three weeks in Russia, which were great. You hadn't seen your mom for seven years. For seven years. You've been here for five, and then seen her for two. And um, you got to see Sochi and all the rest of it, and you'd seen America at its worst because you live in Los Angeles, and then you got to go to Russia, and then you came back. Mm -hmm. uh, how did you like it over there, and did anything feel different? It feels different. It did? Yeah. It's still good. <laughs> um, yeah, I love my country, and I miss it very much. But I appreciate more America than before. And yeah, there are some details to tell, but still, um, I'm very happy to be back. Not only is she happy to be back, uh, but um, <laughs> next week, by the way, uh, we're gonna I'll push the stress free lounge till Friday because next week, uh, next Wednesday, uh, week from yesterday, we're gonna be in Vegas. Uh, watching Sting. Yes. And we'll be able to look up his nose. So I had to get good <laughs> tickets because I wanted to make sure she came back. Uh, and then, um, and then, a week after that, uh, Mrs. Whittle here goes in for her uh, interview with immigration uh, for her citizenship test, and mm -hmm. uh, and she will pass that test. And then she's going to be an American citizen, as American as you or anybody else. It's the only country in the world where that can be absolutely true. Somebody, you, you, you raise your hand, you swear, swear to defend the Constitution, and you are an American citizen, and you get the passport, and then uh, nobody can tell you anything otherwise. You're as American as the people that got off the, uh, the, uh, the Princess Cruise Line or whatever they came over on our ancestors. I'm pretty sure they, they came over on a luxury cruise ship no but it's a it's an amazing thing and i've been looking forward to that for a long time and mm -hmm. one of the things that we that we talked about is like you know it's just it's so much been going on with america and stuff it's hard to it's hard to um realize but there's a lot of places that natasha can't go to uh they can't visit now one of them is bermuda because she's only got a russian passport and in order to get to uh, any of the, was it Schengen? I don't know why Schengen, they, yes. Yeah, I don't know what's a strange name. But the year, all of those European countries got together and, and, and in order to get into the Schengen uh, countries with a Russian mm -hmm. passport, you have to get a visa. But if you've got an American passport, you just walk the hell on in there, baby. Just, 
what are you people doing? Why don't you all speak English? And why is everything so small? And where's uh, my, uh, and, you know, so you call that a clock? Uh -huh. um, but anyway, uh, yeah, we'll be able to go wherever we want to. We go to Bermuda. Finally, we can go. And that'll be pretty cool. And uh, you'll like this very much. Uh, yeah. Broke college student said she's already more American than um, than some people here already. That's not quite true. She's more American than many people here already. Uh, but yes, so so that's going to be good. She's yeah. got she's got a little studying to do. Yeah, it's uh, uh, one hundred questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would like to learn him very well. You will. Yeah. And I'm going to teach to the test. Because if we start talking about America, I'll give her 75 hours of lecture that, you know, absolutely set up the entire theoretical uh, foundation of the country and cannot be remembered at all. We're just going to teach to the test. You know? Just one thing I wanted to ask Bill, don't make it more complicated, please. I'm going to make it super simple. In fact, <laughs> I'm going to take the notes that I'm going to use to, to help Natasha pass the test. And then I'm going to do probably, might even do a firewall on that. It's like, here are the basics, right? Mm -hmm. Here are the basics. The hardest number to remember, in my opinion, is 435. That's the one that always gave me trouble. 135. Four, 400, 435. 400. 435. 435. 435. Isn't it too much? No. The number, the number representatives in the House of Representatives. Everything else is easy. 100 senators, oh, uh, 50 states, two states, two senators per state, so that's 100 senators, 435 representatives. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, Marisha Dark wants to know, who's the current president of the United States? Well, we still don't know that answer, to be honest with you, Marisha. Uh, we, know who's, we know who's in the, in the chair, but the actual answer is, is, uh, is unknowable. Yeah, so they want to know who's the president, who's the vice president, uh, they're going to want to know who are your senators, but mainly they want to know things like how does the government work. And that's what I'm going to be uh, talking about. Here's one little thing I had that I thought was pretty cool, and I've talked about this a long time ago, but a lot of people confuse the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. There's a lot, of, and I'm talking about most Americans uh, who aren't conservatives, mm -hmm. just think they're both just well, something that they wrote. But I was trying to think about this, and... And I realized that the Declaration of Independence is the why there's an America, and the Constitution is the how there's an America. Uh, Declaration, I hear decoration. The, decor like, the Declaration what, what of the Independence. What difference could be? Yeah, just like <laughs> the, the Declaration of Independence. Yes, the Declaration <laughs> is the why. We're doing this because because you said you would do this, and you didn't. Mm -hmm. You lying sack of of crap, and um, and so we're we're leaving. And then the Constitution is, all right, now, now that we've gotten ourselves free of these Brits, then what do we do now that we're all Brits that don't have a king or a country anymore? What, how do we build this government? And then I'll talk about checks and balances and three-sided triangles and piece of cake. We're done. Um, might want to check citizenship test in the App Store for an easy way to, to, to drill, to study. That's great. That's a great idea, citizenship test app. Isn't that Wait, isn't that uh, an app for the for the, there's got to be one. Oh really? There must be. That's let's yeah. find out. Natasha will sing you a song now in Russian while I uh, <laughs> while I check while I check on this. 
Um, and by the way, uh, we're going to a movie tonight in a movie theater for the first time in almost two years. Uh, we haven't been since um, they started this lockdown. We're going to go see Dune. Dune. In, it looked really good in the previews, and, and I've heard pretty good things about it. So uh, I'm just curious to know. I'm not going to get an out. You know what? I don't have to do this now because I do, because otherwise I'll forget. Uh, citizenship. Something came up because I typed in U.S. citizenship. Let's try to try citizenship. No, it's a citizenship. U.S. citizenship test 2021. There's 50 something of them. Hey, look at that. Oh. Boom. Hundreds of them. Wow. Oh, come on. Isn't that great? Difficult to choose, you know. Yes. Now. Exactly. We'll we'll get the we'll get the cheapest one. Oh, who am I kidding? We'll get the most expensive one. Yeah. Um, um, thank you for the question about my mom. Yeah, she came through the through the COVID, and we were worried so so much. It was just bad bad feelings. But she's seventy four, and she's she's good she's great and Bill, Bill was helping with the medication and my daughter stayed with her so everything is good so she just uh, able to go and do anything she wants so she went to the beach because there's like mm, it's like a resort place in the city where I used to live mm -hmm. And she go to market and prepare food for herself. So she just, she just good. I mean, not not so like before, um, but yes. Yeah. Well, so you know, we were talking about manhood and family and all the other stuff. When 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 her mama got sick, she hadn't seen her for seven years, and Natasha was feeling really guilty about not seeing her and had to explain, "Honey, you yeah. couldn't go. You didn't have the didn't have the permanent green card. Do we want to risk you going back and not having you be able to come back here?" It's just this and then by the time the the, the permanent uh, green card arrived then there was COVID and we couldn't travel so we got her there as fast as we could but anyway mm -hmm. so just a week or two before well maybe a month before we were actually going to get her go home and say say hi to the family we find out mom's got COVID mm -hmm. and then we find out that there are no hospital uh, rooms no clinic beds nothing and <sighs> then um we were able to deploy some uh, American cash to the situation and like that. Mm. And so that was good. That was good. Um, yeah. Somebody Natasha asked kept her spirits up and I kept the medicine coming. Yeah, that's true. And she's she's good now. She's OK. She's somebody's asking, are you staring at me, Natasha? <laughs> <laughs> Staring, yeah. Uh, CP Tome said, uh, "Pick a week and make it the Bill and Natasha show once a month." I think that's. I, I, I told you. Mm. I told you. Um, the uh, oh, and by the way, um, you know when she when Natasha got home and finally saw her mama, and, and and I said, "I have one request out of all of this. You know, all of this stuff. I just want, I want Diana, her her daughter, uh, to um, to. I want video of mama and and." Natasha seeing each other again for the first time after seven years and I did and I'm not sharing it with anybody but it was it's just fantastic and 
and I, I was so relieved to see how good she looked. And then later that night, they went out to um, dinner, and there's these three beautiful Russian girls, mm -hmm. and they're all sitting there, and, and Mama looked great. And um, anyway, so um, before we left, I said, look, you know, we're, we're going, because I wanted to go with her for this trip. Uh, but I just couldn't, and she needed to be gone for enough time. And besides, if I was there in Sochi, you know, and you needed to spend time with your mom and your daughter, I would have been like, you would have just felt like you had to kind of entertain me and stuff. Yeah, they so, wanted to see you. Uh, well, they will. So before, before uh, while she was there, we made a commitment to, to go. And so her birthday's on April 6th, mine's on the 7th. Mm. And we will be in uh, Russia for our birthdays uh, next year, so... I'll, I'll be able to do a uh, I'll be able to do a man on the street report from Red Square. That'll Absolutely. be uh, that'll actually be really really something to be standing <laughs> in Red Square. Hello, well, it's got Bill from Red Square before we even before you even heard me talk about it because there's about an eight second delay here. Um, so yeah, so I'll be standing there and I'll, uh, and I'll be. Mm -hmm. So here's where the uh, here's where he is. He's in that he's in that redstone building. Old um, Vladimir Ilyevich, uh, he's still in there. He apparently went to sleep and he hasn't gotten up yet. Uh, and, you have to kiss him. <laughs> no, uh, oh God, I really, really do want to see the guy. Mm. And um, and I'd be willing to bet you. And I don't know this for sure. Because uh, and Marusha asked a question that I mm -hmm. want to ask. Yeah, I said Ulyanov. Yeah, but I think. I've done a lot of Google Earth of, of Red Square, and Natasha told me this too. I think when I see Red Square, I'm going to be shocked at how small it is. Mm -hmm. Because all we mm -hmm. ever saw of Red Square was just nothing but columns of tanks and missiles and, and marching soldiers. Just, no you know, place just, for them there, absolutely. I don't know how they feed it. it so I think there. it's going to be smaller. And, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to be disappointed by any means, but I looked at it real closely when, when she was away, and... And the red walls of the Kremlin and stuff. And I looked at St. Basil's Cathedral, and that looked considerably smaller than I thought it would be. And I thought, well, I'm not going to say I'm going to be disappointed, but I will say this about, despite the fact that, of the people that are in it now, the U.S. Capitol building is pretty in a picture, but when you see it in the flesh, it's just, it's, it's breathtaking. It's just, it's just astonishingly uh, beautiful. Um, so, um, Marusha asked, uh, what things mm -hmm. do you think they do better in, in Russia than, than they do here? We've had this conversation many times. You know, now it's a question for me. <laughs> Before I knew the answers, um, mm, at least for people, the people who do pay taxes, they probably pay around 25, 26%. Here we pay in California. I pay forty, and yes. and for their twenty six percent in that former communist country, uh, they get everything. So it's not free because nothing's free. But for their twenty six percent taxes, they get uh, no additional charge for education. College education doesn't cost you anything out of pocket. Hospitals, medicine, none of it. People get their own apartments, right? Yeah, uh, they were given by the government uh, forever, like. Um, yeah. So I think the system is inefficient, but then I suddenly realized, and it suddenly is like four years ago, and I realized, hang on now, um, 
talk about the free enterprise system and everything, and it's like I'm paying forty percent of what I make, and I'm not getting jack. I'm not even getting decent roads. I'm getting crummy, horrible roads, and not only that, but I'm paying for those roads like three times. I'm paying federal tax for the roads. I'm paying California tax for the roads. And then somebody else is paying for it three times. It's like, adopt a highway. Here's a little square. This little square of decent highway is brought to you by Joe's, uh, you know, um, uh, Italian restaurant. And it's like, oh, so now Joe has to pay extra money to, to make this thing work. She says, obviously, they don't have as many thieves in government as we do. They do. It's just that when you buy them, they stay bought. You know, that's, that's the benefit of the Russian system. You've yeah. got these corrupt criminals in government, you pay them, and then they keep most of it, but they give you something. <laughs> we get still, nothing. We get nothing. Still good thing in Russia, better than here, people speaking Russian. <laughs> you know, it's just other things. No, I love my country. I love, but um, I appreciate much more uh, all I see here. Really, it's... This is important, um, you know, that's I found out from the trip, yeah. And yeah. The, the first thing I remember you talking about in, in America that just blew you away and has never gone away was just how nice the people were, like in Absolutely. shopping, shop, like you go to the grocery store or something and, and everybody, hey, how are you, how's it going, <laughs> you know, and they're dressed like, you know, they got all these like red, you know, uh, dreadlocks and it's like everybody's kind of cool and being their own, their own selves everybody's very friendly and and that so i asked natasha i said um uh so what were what were the russian people like you always talk about how nice you thought americans were how, how was it when you got back remember what you told me uh, uh the, <laughs> the plane yeah. the first thing uh when i came are uh, to the plane from moscow to sochi that i was like Pushed a few times uh, with a woman with her bag. Yeah, just knocking. It's just like, okay, I'm at home. That's <laughs> that's what. Yeah, because we used to be so close, and uh, when this this is so important, you know, if you go first, even if our time of our waiting, you know, it's the same for everybody. Just it's in our blood because. You, you have to save your life and save uh, life of your children. But it's gone. It's like 100 years ago, you know, at least 70. And But it stays there. No, it's still good, you know. People good and roads good. And it's, it's my country. They're both your country. Yeah. Oh, and that's, I, I, that's when, when, when I was dropping her off at the airport, it's always sad when you leave. It was sad when she left her mom and family and came back. And I said, you know, honey, you're really actually pretty lucky. You know, you go to Russia, you go to America, you're going home both ways. You get to go home both ways. And and that's really cool. Um, yeah, so she, she got manhandled on the plane in terms of, like, you know, people are, like, knocking her over and pushing her back and, and all of that. And then, um, and then last night when we got home, we stopped at the drugstore, and um, we are going to buy just a tiny little bottle of wine, you know, just because it was, her, her plane was delayed by s six, seven hours, something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, and the guy said, I can't sell you this now. It's, you know, it's a 
was 11 o'clock or something, five minutes after 12 or something like that. And I said, is that because uh, it's after 12? He said, it's because it's after 10.30. I said, oh, he said, and, um, and thanks for not blaming me personally for it. And I said, people blame you personally for it? He said, yeah, I get it all the time. It's like, well, I'm sorry I sent you to Sacramento to create those rules. I, I, I'm very disappointed with you as a legislator. We have this conversation with this guy behind the counter. Mm-hmm. He's probably, I don't know, late 20s black guy, a wonderful guy. And, and, and we never met before, never probably meet since. Struck up this big old conversation, you know, about this. Laughed and joked, you know, okay, have a good night. You have a good night too, okay, see you later. And it's like, unheard of, unheard of. Um, so that's nice. And one of the reasons we're doing what we do is we don't want America to turn into a country like that, where everybody has to elbow everybody else out of the way because that's the only way to survive. And it's definitely, um, you know, they're trying to they're trying to take it that way. So Natasha had an interesting experience. I thought it was really interesting. So her plane was supposed to leave um, Moscow at uh, one in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and and I'm texting her and I've got this flight app and I'm tracking her. I, when she flew there, I I actually didn't sleep for the 24 hours it took her to get from here. I I stayed up the whole time just watched the plane cross the Atlantic and then land in Moscow. Then I watched the plane fly from Moscow down to Sochi. But once Diana picked you up, I could finally get to sleep. But anyway, her her plane was supposed to leave at one, so she's texting me, "Oh, Billy, we're in the plane, we're on our way, I'm coming home, we're uh, you know, taxiing out there." And then it's like, next mm-hmm, thing you know, it's mm-hmm. like we're going back, we have to stop. Oh yeah, yeah. The pilot said there's a problem. Okay. And then I get a text a few minutes later saying, "Oh, we are we're having to go back now. They're going to put us in a parking lot." And I thought, oh, well, this could be worse. You know, it's Aeroflot. And she's in Moscow. If it had been Krasnodar or something, at least in Moscow, they've got a bunch of planes, you know. So anyway, so she gets on the plane at 1 o'clock. They sit on the runway for an hour, hour and a half, come back, take everybody off the plane, have to drag out another triple uh, sevens. Yeah. All the luggage has to come off. They have to get a triple seven um, prepped. They may have had to change crews. I don't know whether they did or not. But in any event, five, six hours later, she... Um, she gets to get back on the plane. Somebody said, oh, what airframe? I can give you the number. But did you know that the airplane that you flew here on was registered in Bermuda? That's the, the legal... Registered by what? The, 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 the ownership of the plane is registered as a, as, a, as a Bermudian plane. Bermuda did this. Bermuda did this so that they would make money. It's registered in Bermuda. I, I saw... I, it's just don't believe how it's possible. It is. It, it, it's it's cheaper because they, they don't pay taxes on it. O- owner? It's... It's not the owner. Aeroflot owns it, but, but the registered country, the country that it is... That airplane is registered in Bermuda. And I know this because I'm looking at the details from your airplane. And I said, it's a country of registration. There's a little tiny little map icon about that big. And I thought... Boy, that looks a lot like the flag of Bermuda, by God. And I looked it up, and sure enough. Um, but anyway, here's what was interesting, I thought. So, because this goes to kind of what we were talking about earlier with um, with the whole freedom thing. So you're, you're getting ready to get on the plane mm-hmm. the first time. And everybody's, like, knocking everybody over to be front of the line, right? And, and we see a lot of that here, too. It's like, the folks, the plane is leaving when it's full, and... W- you can be on the plane first, but it doesn't mean you're not going to go. But Natasha said that that everybody was pushing like it was the last helicopter out of Saigon kind mm-hmm. of thing, right? <laughs> uh, the, there was um, there were Russian people from 90s, 
right where uh we used to live in lines you know and if you're not first or if you're not second you might you might lose the opportunity right. big opportunities so so if you grow up in the Soviet, yeah if you grow up in the soviet union and everybody's in line if you don't get to the front of that line by the time you get in the store they may be sold out of everything whatever they had is gone right yeah last c17 out of kabul is exactly what i was going to say john kabul um, mm -hmm. So anyway, so everybody's pushing and shoving to get in front of, uh, of this line to get on the plane the first time. And everybody's complaining, we're waiting here, and this is, I'm just re oh, retelling. Oh, that's, yeah. And they, and so, okay, so then, so then, all right, here we go. So they get on the plane, they taxi out to the runway, they come back, five hours, six hours later, mm -hmm. they're getting on the plane the second time, and the attitude was completely different, right? Yeah, the people, they were ready to hug you know <laughs> we're all comrades now right we we're now we're, we're like we're, we've yeah. been through the hell together of having yes, to wait for yes. six hours and i just found that so interesting you know it's like everybody's mm -hmm. got to get on the plane and then well now we're all on the plane we're going to go now nobody can go maybe we won't be able to go at all who knows how long we're going to be here mm -hmm. and then five hours later when it's time to get on the plane again everybody's hugging everybody because they've been through this kind of hardship together they made uh jokes you know they were so so uh friendly and the woman uh near me we we had uh space the empty space between us and i'm just uh put my when i'm so they get on the, the so, they, so they got on the plane twice yeah. they both got the same reserved seat so it's it's natasha mm -hmm. and the same woman getting onto the plane but two different times so yeah. first time first time i put my bag on a free uh, chair mm -hmm. but i saved the place for her and when she saw it's like i will put my bag here too my, here's my territory <laughs> that's my territory too so we just i thought okay it's okay it, it's not a problem but the second time i put my bag again there and she slowly put her bag and asked me isn't it uh, trouble for you is it put, okay is it okay so it's just like everything changed when people have problems where they don't used to have problems you know they start to appreciate things and that's why it's it's bad things to say but sometime war but not war but difficulties make people kind more understanding and more uh, appreciate simple things and uh, simple uh it's a good attitude you know so they become more absolutely and, uh, broke, and, and broke college student got that several seconds ago he said so world war ii is like this on steroids then essentially yes mm -hmm. everybody's in it for themselves and suddenly you know everything's burning and everything's on fire and, and nobody takes anything for granted anymore now we're all um now we're all uh in it together and this is the last thought I didn't finish on earlier, but what I'm going to talk about tomorrow on the Moving Back to America show, I'm going to call it the F word. And if you saw Biden talking about it, was like, <laughs> he was talking about the vaccine mandate. And, um, and he said, oh, people are talking about, you know, like this is something like about freedom. And he just scoffs. He goes, <laughs> freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, freedom to murder people by giving them COVID. And my first thought was, yeah, that's right. And the same freedom, freedom to murder people by, by, by hitting them with a car, freedom to murder people by, by, by you know, uh, moving around when you want to, freedom to, to hurt people by owning up, freedom. The freedom to do anything can be turned into, you know, and I just thought the contempt that he has, that's why I'm calling it the F word, because that's how, that's how the progressives look at things. They just, 
this this whole thing. And this led me to a thought that I, as I was driving out earlier today before I came back, I'm leaving the garage after shooting the Virtue Signal shows. And I said, you know, the only people in the world that have contempt for freedom are people that have had freedom for a long time. No one else in the world has contempt for freedom like this. Only people that have contempt for freedom is people who have been free for a long time. Because mm -hmm. then that's it. And I was saying earlier, coming up to the show tonight, I said, ah, we used to have an expression that we used a lot. You know, honey, we'd say freedom isn't free, which meant you had to go work for it. You had to fight for it and stuff. And then I realized this is the problem with the, this is the problem with America today is that freedom is free. That's the problem. Freedom's been free for 30 years now mm -hmm. or 50 or more. It's been free. What do you have to do to be free? Nothing. Do you have to go vote? No. Nope. Do you have jury duty? Now I'm going to get out of that. Uh, you're going to go to war? No, no. There's 0.001% of our population actually goes and fights for freedom. We don't have to do anything. It, free, we don't value the freedom because it doesn't cost us anything. Freedom's been free for three generations here, and that's why we're dealing with, oh, socialism's an awesome idea, and, and Che, Che, and, 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 and it's, just, it's just nuts. Nuts. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Marusha said that uh, the costume, costumes for Halloween, you will be Captain America, Cap and, and you'll be Black Widow. Why? Well, because Black Widow is a is um, is a Marvel character played by um, Scarlett Johansson. Mm -hmm. Her name is Natasha, and she's a Russian uh -huh. agent dresses in black leather. <laughs> yeah, just change it. <laughs> change the style. Take a quick look at Facebook. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like Kirk and Rand better too, Dave. Uh, uh, let's just have a look at Facebook and see if there's anything there about uh, Natasha, and then I will answer questions for another, another an hour or so, a little less than, and um, then we're going to go see a movie. Mm -hmm. All right, here we go. Comment. Oh, I have to refresh the page. Huh, I feel refreshed. And so does the page. Eight comments. <laughs> Don't you worry, kid. I got you covered. Let's, let's just... Okay, what, and Natasha, what are your opinions on the works of Shakespeare? Has Bill talked your ears off about Shakespeare yet? The only Shakespeare she's heard, I think, to be honest with you, Eric, is the Shakespeare that's in the animation thing. <laughs> no, that's not true. But this is really great before when I saw somebody's work like that, I compared uh, telling Bill, like, why don't you do it like they did, you know, but their whole uh, team works, you know, it's a really professional. And now Bill himself doing better work that I saw. We That's really unbelievable. Just it's, before we started the last good. We got the um, soundtrack for chapter one, got the score for chapter one. Mm -hmm. It's not mixed yet. We will have it to show next week. Uh, and it's a lot of work there. Um, but yeah, it was. It looks so professional. It looks so good, so detailed. And uh, I would think it's a really professional movie. It's not about future, but you know, when it's discovery movies you know mm -hmm. it's like um science fiction 
how you pronounce it? Uh, science fiction. But science this is fiction. yeah. This is kind of they call this like fantasy because of the time of nights and stuff. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Thanks. Thanks for the kind words. Uh, so anyway, um, the uh, <laughs> so yeah, you know, um, I haven't talked very much about Shakespeare, and and the whole animation is written in very Shakespearean terms which means it's virtually impossible for a, a person who doesn't speak English to understand because most people speaking English have a hard time tracking it. So um, the next step prior, next week, well, I've, it's ready to go, just needs a mix. So I'll have it next week, chapter one, and I'm gonna subtitle it because, mm-hmm. you know, Zoe's got lines like, um, I find um, uh, my, um, my, uh, Sanguine nature has turned to melancholy, and my humors have become unbalanced. What now? Uh, so, there's a lot of Shakespeare in this animation thing, and there's nothing more fun than to shake than to curse in Shakespearean language. Dave Olson, our friend Dave Olson. Hey, hello, Natasha. Welcome back to your new home. He's a sweet guy, this day. Yeah. What are the people in Russia saying about America and Americans these days? It's never anything nice. You know, n- it's not true. They love America. They always love America. Because all of us, we were raised on their movies, you know, and that movie's about, uh, like, strong characters. And everybody knows uh, all famous movies. And it doesn't matter what politics saying. Yeah, they try to separate our countries from each other. But simple people doesn't want it. People, simple people. And I would say everybody loves America. And they want to come, they, they want to visit. Maybe not, not everybody would like to live here, but Russian. They, they love they love America. That's that's for sure, absolutely. That's true. When the plane was landing in L.A. last night, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and just before they they're doing their final check, you know, getting everything stowed for landing, and the pilots, um, pilots said about read, read the out temperature. The temperature in L.A. is currently you know it was probably about sixty-seven degrees Fahrenheit, whatever that is in that uh-huh. fictional measuring system that you guys have. But they said the temperature is this, and there'd be people like applauding, you know, Cheer, because it's, cheering. It's, it's, it's like it's not. Back to warm climate. Yeah, and that's. Uh, okay, so we got. We're going to go to the members forum, and we'll get that. Um, I think. I think that's it for the uh, Natasha segment. Um, She's got places to go and things to do. It's not like me with all just, you know. I mean, I'm I got, so busy, I, I got, so busy. I got, nowhere, I got nowhere else to be and nothing yeah, else to do. Absolutely. But she's got phone calls to make and, 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 and pictures to, you know, process and all the rest of that stuff. Oh, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm going to just, I, I, we agreed we would um, go all the way on, on this. Um, we have been trying to get Natasha's daughter to America for five years now almost and she can't even get here on a tourist visa so if anybody out there watching this uh she's applied for it if anybody out there has any uh connections or insights insight any 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 ideas why she can come yeah Yeah. it's 
it's like whatever we have to do. And um, so if you can send those to info at billwhittle.com because the comment section screams pretty fast here. Um, but um, yeah, anybody got any angles on that? Uh, it's just really, it's, it's just, it's gotta go. It's sad, it's very sad. Yeah, I'm telling her about America and everything I see and I I can't really do it, sure. do it now but because you know it it looks like I'm just showing off I and it's not good it's my daughter no and she's a great photographer as well and just a great person now fortunately we have had a chance to see her three times in Mexico uh, last time was in New New Year's of 2019, 2020, just before COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So we had a chance to see her, but she hasn't been to America, and she needs to see this place, this place, and knock her eyes out. She would just love it. She will. Uh, she so. knows so many things, much more than me, uh, because she's reading and watching a video about... Yeah, she understands L.A. more than we do. She's just yeah. constantly looking at this stuff. So if anybody has any um, ideas or suggestions about that or any connections to people who can pull those particular kind of strings. Uh, the situation between our two countries has been pretty bad, especially since Hillary Clinton started to blame Russia for um, the fact that she lost the election. And it hasn't improved much since then. So um, anyway, one step at a time. Get you your passport. Here we go. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> now get back there and make me a sandwich, damn it, woman. Oh, no, I wasn't talking to you, baby. I was, I was, talking, I was just making a... I was just making a... Um, <laughs> Natasha Whittle, ladies and gentlemen, let's have a big round of applause. She's more popular than I am, and uh, it doesn't surprise me in the least. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, the one thing, I, of course, that I didn't say just then is if we really want to get the daughter into America, all she has to do is go to Haiti. Uh, if she goes to Haiti, then she can be transported to Mexico, walk a couple days through Mexico, get a little exercise, and then just come across the border like everybody else. Um, that's a good question, Isab. Does anyone know the answer to this? That's a good question. Would, when Natasha becomes an American citizen, does that change the leverage on a situation like that? For what? Before you can bring family over? Yeah. Oh, she says she has to wait 10 years. Uh, no, daughter's not a minor. She's a photographer. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, no, she's... um. She's in her early thirties, believe it or not. Natasha was like eleven uh, when she had her. When she had her, and, and I and I love Diana. I love her. She's just absolutely fantastic. Okay, it won't change so much. Oh, well, what about me? Anyway, we'll figure it out. Um, but if but we just decided uh, when she said goodbye to Diana last time, wants to come here so much. We just said, all right, we're you know we've been talking about one, and we've been wanting to do it for years and we've been kind of trying to do it but now we're going to really going to go hard for it um scott adams wife's christina she's an aerobatics pilot 
I did not know that. I did not know that. Huh. Yeah, looking forward to getting together with um, with uh, Doomcock. Uh, and, um, and he's a lot more of an open patriot than I realized. You know, I saw his... Um, he did something on... Uh, just a, it's just an American flag, and he was basically telling Afghanistan veterans that, no, this wasn't in vain, um, you know? So uh, he's a good guy. He's a real good guy. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll take it from there. And, he, you know, he, and he's just cool, you know? And, and he's, co he's cool in the ultimate nerdy sort of way. I, I sent him an email um, last time, and I said because he was singing show tunes. And I said, hey, just checking and seeing how you're doing. And by the way, um, I've been singing I Wonder What the King is Doing Tonight for the last three days because I heard it on your Friday Night Frolics and I'm sending you the psychiatric bill and it's going to be substantial. Uh, uh, so that'll be really fun. And we're and I, and I think we'll probably do it next week. Uh, last time we talked, he said, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't get back to you. I said, hey, man, I believe me, if there's anybody who knows the feeling... Um, uh, it's me. I just sometimes I just information overload, and I just I just shut off the the input screens. Uh, but he was singing show tunes, and somebody said, "Can you sing something from Camelot?" And he's saying, "I wonder what the king is doing tonight." And I, then I said, "This is the only other guy I know who knows the lyrics to that and the lyrics to Super Chicken." Besides me, um, yeah, Aesop says old. Uh, it's odd that Natasha has to wait 10 years. They bring family over the southern border on day one. Yeah, it's pretty much how it works. Uh, Mobile Moda wants to know, is Doomcuff a queer? <laughs> he does dress like a queer. And he is on the internet. So he's on the internet like a queer, yes. And he dresses like a queer, yes. And I think he might be a... I think he's probably a queer. He is married, though, to Scarlett Johansson. That may queer the deal a little bit. Uh, I can't get enough of that. I just this is still my favorite thing. It's uh, for those of you who may be new to this. That's probably nobody. Um, it's one of my favorite sketches, a series of sketches of all time. From I think probably my favorite comedy duo ever, which is um, Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse. They're just bloody marvelously good. They're just so good. No, not very well known here. All right, so um, let's just finish up on Facebook, then we'll go over to uh, BillLittle.com and catch up there. Okay. I have not seen A Quiet Place 2, Heather, um, and uh, so I can't really comment on that. I like the first one very much. Uh, I've heard the second one is not quite so good because you see too much of the monsters. That's an interesting uh, thing. There's one other thing here that I saw um, from Brandon. Hot. <laughs> what, what? If those aren't the two coolest names to have in, in, uh, in October of 2021, then uh, Brandon Hot, and then I don't know what is. Uh, hey, Brandon, <clears throat> I'd love to hear your take on the Facebook name change and the coming metaverse. I know nothing about this. I haven't got the faintest idea. I don't. When you say Facebook name change, I got to tell you that sounds like a, a joke, but I, I don't know anything about it. If somebody in the comment section wants to provide me with a um, brief synopsis, that'd be awesome. 
meanwhile, over at uh, at uh, BillWhittle.com, let's see what's cooking over there. Stratosphere Lounge, questions, and more. Much more. 1028, post your questions for Bill's live stream in the Stratosphere Lounge. 20 posts there, and then another one. Good Lord. Plus, there's some from the 14th. Next, next episode is going to be nothing but members' content, I, I promise. I'm going to announce it in advance. So we got here. Um... Calvin Green, new member. Hey, Calvin, thank you for joining us. Hey, Bill, what are your thoughts on my theory that conspiracy theories are used against America as proxy attacks on her reputation? Fascinating. For example, the 9-11 conspiracy theory is very popular abroad, in my opinion, because it allows the anti-American Europeans to steal away the empathy that the world would have felt for America if we all believed our eyes and ears and saw that the World Trade Center was taken down by radical Islamic terrorists rather than an inside job perpetrated by the U.S. against itself as an excuse to conduct evil acts in the Middle East. Absolutely 100% agree with that. That's why, um, that's why the, the, the cheap culprits um, are uh, America, because then you don't have to feel sorry for America. Uh, if you hate America, you can hate America even more. And, um, and one of the other leading culprits, of course, is Israel. Um, and this is why Israel's being so demonized, because... You know they're trying to turn Israelis into into Nazis, and that way you can kill them. Uh, so that's a really great point. Yes, and and, the, and here's and he goes on, and the moon landing theory is an attempt to steal away one of the world's greatest achievements from the United States. Absolutely true. These conspiracy theories let anti-Americans attribute every negative thing in the world that happens to the U.S. as being secretly self-inflicted for nefarious intentions, and every positive historic milestone is nothing more than illusory propaganda operation conducted by the U.S. to make itself seem greater than it is. That is a profound insight, uh, Calvin, and it stitches together a lot of things. Yes, the, the, if, you, if the moon landing never happened, then America didn't go to the moon, and all this bragging is for nothing. And all of that um, envy and jealousy is, yeah, well, they did it on a movie stage. It's not that we have some sort of secret sauce that you guys uh, don't have, but we do. And, uh, and that bugs the living daylights out of some people. Um, I, I'd never really thought of it that way, and it'd be interesting to look at other conspiracy theories that way. Uh, you can also apply that thing to the Kennedy assassination, right? No, it wasn't a lone Marxist loser who, who, who defected to the Soviet Union, got a little attention, and when the attention ran out, tried to commit suicide in a bathtub. And at the height of uh, Eisenhower's meeting coming up, they decided, well, they didn't want to send a dead American back, so they let him come back. And, um, and, and Oswald thought that there would be reporters waiting for him when he got off the plane in Dallas to talk about the American Marine that defected to, um, uh, to the Soviet Union. Nobody was there, so he said, no, 
I've been telling my wife I'm going to be somebody, and I am. I wonder what I can do next. Uh, let's see what we got here. I don't think Facebook is changing. I'm going to just catch up with that Facebook thing here. I think Facebook Inc. is now like how Google is now alphabetic. Okay. So there, yeah. I, 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 I bought a relatively inexpensive VR headset just to check it out. And I bought the Oculus S. And it said, Oculus S, by Facebook. And I, I just, that close, you know. Um, and anyway, uh, Okay, anyway, um, uh, that's a really, you know, really, really excellent point. And, um, and I will give that some further thought. Thank you. I always love questions make me think. Uh, lots of uh, Bill and Team classrooms. Uh, from Donald Welch, uh, Klaus Schwab, his World Economic Forum, and the nefarious ties to Canada and Australia deserve some light shined on them. They obviously do, because I've never heard of Klaus Schwab, unless he's the Schwab of Schwab's uh, financial Schwab. Um, uh, I'm going to start looking into Klaus Schwab. Um, however, uh, the um, uh, somebody just asked in the comment section how to like the Oculus S. I don't think the resolution is there. It still looked like a little bit like you're looking through screen door. Um, however, uh, I did something like a Space Engine in 3D and seeing like planets in 3D is amazing. Aesop's retreat in capital letters. Look up Klaus Schwab. Okay. Uh, I will look up Klaus Schwab. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's a fine fellow. And I'm sure he and George Soros, another fine fellow, um, are great pals. There's a lot of people who are great pals with, with these people. And, um, and that's what we're facing right now. It's a, it's a worldwide push, not from, it's not even, it's certainly not just Democrats and Republicans, it's not even progressives against conservatives. It's the ruling power elite versus the people. And this is their, this is Operation Michael. They're all in and they understand that they cannot what physical power does does Google or Facebook have over you uh, they have the power conceivably to cost you your job but that would really just be a relocation issue because if somebody forced you out of Facebook because of your political beliefs there would be somebody else with the opposing political beliefs you'd probably hire you just for that so again they have the ability to destroy your the ease in life that's what they have that's it um, so, uh, you know, there you go. Um, so I will look into that. Uh, Martin Archer, hey, is there lead on Mars? I don't know. I think one way humans can avoid the long-term delirious effects of one-third gravity would be to wear lead in their clothes and footwear for much of the time. How else can they live on Mars without loss of bone density and all the other low-gravity hazards? Who knows what would happen to babies in the womb once in one-third gravity. Also, I suggest Mars as a uh, TSL single-topic episode. Okay, fair enough uh, for Mars. Uh, I don't know if there's lead on Mars. I'll tell you what is an excellent radiation shield, and that's water. 
uh, it's not as good as lead, but it's a lot more useful than lead. And um, I remember when I was writing Aurora, and, and as they were, the, the thing I liked about that was there, there were these, the HAB modules were at the extent, uh, you know, they were out, they'd spin the ship and they'd go out on cables, but the actual HAB modules had more radiation shielding than the rest of it. But what they really had was they had these giant canvas sacks around the outside, and that as time went on, fresh water supplies would be recycled out into the bags, and the, the bags would expand as you put more and more water there. So by the time you got to Jupiter, you had, you know, a couple of... I don't know, maybe six, seven feet of, of water protecting most of that. Um, according, Marisha says, according to Wikipedia, there should be a fair amount of lead on Mars. Technically speaking, there's a significant amount of lead in seawater, too. Uh, it's just getting to it. Um, same for gold and everything else. So um, I have not heard, I've, I've, I'll be honest with you, Martin, I've never heard the term lead on Mars before. There's a fair amount of iron on Mars. Um, but uh, beyond that, I don't know. A lot of sand, too. Um, I'm sure that's how we'll justify our space exploration, is say we, you know, beaches are being eroded and we have to go to Mars to bring all the rest of this stuff. Uh, some, by, speaking of, as somebody mentioned, Elon, in the comments section, I saw a, a, a glance at it. I mean, just, it flew past me like that kind of thing. I didn't get a chance to even see the article, but I, just something shot past me that said, Musk is on track to be the world's first trillionaire. I wonder if that's true. Um, I'm not going to say it couldn't happen to a nicer guy, but I am definitely could say could say it could happen to an awful, awful lot of worse guys. Um, all you need is energy, man. If you have enough energy, make whatever you want to. You know, yeah. If you had unlimited nuclear energy, you would grow cotton in the deserts. You just pipe seawater in and desalinate it. Um, so uh, mobile modal says not one-third gravity that bothers me. It's a 3% atmosphere. I'm pretty sure it's less than 3%. I think it's less than 1%. I, I want to say it's a tenth of 1%. Um, but uh, we'll see. Um, more on Schwab. By the way, uh, we, we uh, 0.3%. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, here's the thing about air pressure. We always assume that when we talk about raising air pressure on Mars, that we have to do it across the entire planet, but you don't. Um, surface pressure is, yeah. Atmosphere of Mars is much thinner than the Earth's. The average surface pressure is only about 610 pascals. That's 0 0.088 PSI, which is less than 1% of the Earth's value. Um, yeah, I've always thought about that be kind of a, I don't know whether it's a coincidence or, not, coincidence or not, but in round numbers, and pretty close to being directly round numbers, Venus's atmosphere is 100 times thicker than Earth's, and Mars is 100 times thinner. It's time for us to move some stuff. Um, but... Uh, my point about surface pressure is like, okay, you know that if you were to blast a deep enough hole into Mars, let's say you send a pretty decent-sized asteroid into Mars, somebody like my friend Phil or somebody else can do the math on this, but if you put a deep enough depression into Mars at the bottom of that bowl, the, the atmospheric pressure goes way up. And um, 
because air is heavier than nothing and it just essentially just sinks into the bowl and the deeper the bowl is the more packs up on top of it the higher the pressure gets on the surface so basically instead of trying to get the all of mars up to breathable air pressure if it were up to me i would put a big 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 hole deep hole not so much big deep in fact the bigger the worse i'd put the deepest smallest hole i could put in it and um and you'd get you'd get some of your uh, air pressure up to decent standards. I wonder how high you could get them. That's an interesting question, realistically. I would imagine that if you had a, I mean, just thinking this through, if the hole were relatively small, like the size of the Superdome or something, I imagine you just, the deeper you would go, the higher the surface pressure would still be carbon dioxide, but the higher the surface pressure would get. And there's no mantle to worry about. It's a dead planet, right? So... I imagine you could just drill deep enough to get one atmosphere of pressure. You just keep going deeper until you get an atmosphere, no matter what the surface pressure is. Um, so um, there's that. Yeah, Mobile Moto says no atmosphere meteors don't burn on the way in. They do, actually, because our probes do, but it's, it's, it's less than 1% of it. Uh, Lord Bias says, what about Venus always has an atmosphere, just need to detoxify it? You know, it's funny, I, I have, uh, I, when we were talking about the Free Frontier, I thought, why aren't, what, if you really want to make a publicity stunt, it is so much easier to go to Venus, not land on Venus, go to Venus. It is, I don't know what the energy requirement is relative to Mars, but it's, it's much closer and it's downhill. Of course, you have to come back uphill, but it's much closer. And, um... And it's much more massive, which means that, you know, you get a, a better slingshot effect if you're, because I'm not even talking about going into orbit. I'm just saying, hey, want to go visit another planet? Go to Venus. Just do a Venus flyby. That'd be great. Um, broke college student shouts, you can't just shoot a hole into Mars. Says who? Says who? I want to shoot a hole into Mars. If America decides it wants to shoot a hole into a planet, then that's what we should do. Um, yeah, Venus is about the same size as Earth. It's only a couple hundred miles smaller. It's virtually identical, and we never, ever, ever talk about Venus. Venus is the only planet in the solar system that doesn't exist because it's so unbearable. It's not just that there's uh, sulfuric acid in the in the atmosphere. It's mostly carbon dioxide, but the problem is it's it's a hundred atmospheres of carbon dioxide at the surface and it is significantly closer to the sun so the surface temperature on venus i want to say is 800 fahrenheit something like that 900 it's twice as hot as the inside of an oven and you've got a, a fair amount of pressure you don't have bottom of the ocean pressures but you've got pressure and it's hot 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 it's not as it's it, it's the most difficult environment in the solar system and um Yes, hot enough to melt lead, exactly. Well, there's your answer. Just take Mars and push it into Venus, melt the lead out of the Martian atmosphere, and split the atmosphere, and you're good to go. Nothing to it. Um, yeah, uh, one nine. it's an easy uh, thing to remember there, 1894030. Soviet soft landing only lasted minutes. It did. But they did it. It's an achievement. I've often felt like, where's the rest of the world, and why are we doing all the discovering here, you know? And every, every now and then, some other country will do something to pitch in, in terms of uh, astronomy, 
And I think, oh, well, that's good. Thank you. Can we see some more of that? Since I'm on this particular rant, I remember being impressed by the Japanese landing their probe on that comet. That impressed me. The Europeans sent the first probe to Halley's Comet in 86. It was the first time we saw the close-up of a, of a comet um, nucleus was, was Halley's. I remember seeing that and thinking, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, but generally speaking, not so much. And I got to tell you, and I mean this, this has been with me for a while now. I've been sitting on this for a while. I thought that the, that the Huygens probe that landed on Titan that hitched a ride on the back of um, Cassini, I thought that was the most disappointing, awful, I, I mean, I could not believe how crap those images were from a spacecraft launched at that time. Huygens, the, the Huygens footage was just like, that's it? That's the best you can do? You didn't even get a surface shot, you know? And we see, you know, we, it was just terrible. It was terrible. I was really disappointed with that. Apparently now the Chinese rover on Mars is actually doing really pretty well. So it's time to start to uh, fortify Mars. Um, well, it was late 80s camera tech, but the pictures from from Huygens were nothing like, nothing like the, the quality of the pictures from the Viking landers, and that was early 70s camera tech. Viking landers took, took great pictures. They were huge. They were gigantic. Um, all right, so moving on. Uh, I've got a bunch of Martin Archers here, four in a row. Let me just see if there's anything else, and we'll come back and try and get as many of these as we can. i got to get to a movie real quick. There's some really deep question here that I need to save for next week. Next week is going to be nothing but members-only content. Uh, uh, I'm checking. Um, Martin Archer says, I've never seen a documentary that goes into full depth on the momentous decision to send Apollo 8, only the second manned Apollo mission, and I think only the fifth Saturn V launch to the moon. It must have been incredibly dramatic behind the scenes. Do you know any of the details behind this decision? Who got the idea, the impact on the three Astros, or any other details? I actually covered that in the um, Apollo 11, what we saw series, in, in some detail. And I am going to Texas in December to give a speech about Apollo 8. Uh, Apollo 8 is the great one of the Apollo astronauts described the Apollo program that he said it was we had to reach 50 years into the future to get science that we didn't have and bring it back and try and make it work and um, so the short story behind Apollo 8 is the the test program was like everything else extremely methodical extremely um, incremental. So the, uh, put aside the Apollo 1 fire, Apollo 7 tested the command and service module in orbit. Okay, good. Keep it up there. Let's make sure the stuff that the guys are living in is working. Great. 
Originally, Apollo 8 was going to be a test of the command service module and the lunar module in orbit of the Earth. The step after that would be to do a, uh, a mission that was a highly eccentric mission where they basically boost themselves out to, I don't know, a tenth of the way to the moon or something and test all these things out and so on and, and so on and so on. So this, this, this definite hierarchy of we're going to check this and we're going to check this and then of course you're going to go to the um, lunar orbit and then you're going to do the Apollo 10 mission which is um, separate, do everything except for the landing and so on. So all of a sudden, here we have Apollo 8 just completely out of sequence, blew the whole sequence away. What, what happened? Well, what happened was the LEM wasn't ready. Um, they did Apollo 7, and, and that mission had some uh, personnel problems in the name of Wally Shira. But um, there was a mutiny on Apollo 7. Uh, and the whole, uh, Wally Shira was, of course, a Mercury astronaut. And I want to say a Gemini astronaut as well. But he just was not in a good mood. He had the flu or something, and he was just plain out dis disobeying orders. They would say, you were going to answer for this. You come home. I'm not wearing the helmet, this kind of thing. And the two rookies who flew with him, uh, was it Isley Cunningham Shira? That sounds right. The two rookies who flew with him also uh, went along with Shira on this, and they never flew again. That crew, that crew was grounded. Uh, because of because of the fact that they simply mutinied against what ground control was, you know, asking them and then telling them to do. So Sharab did not cover himself in glory. He wasn't going to fly again. But Isley and Cunningham both went along with him, and they were done. Can't say I really find that to be unreasonable. So you got the lunar module. In, uh, sorry, you got the command module in orbit, service module in orbit. Everything's working great. Fired the engine a bunch of times. Fantastic. Let's do our lunar orbit. Let's do our um, lunar module in orbit mission. Well, the LEM's not ready. Really? Yeah, and it won't be ready for another year or eight months or something. Well, we got a Saturn V ready to go. We got all the crews lined up. We're just going to sit on our hands here for nine months or whatever it was. We don't really need to do Apollo 7 again. The command module works great, so what the hell are we going to do? We've got a lunar rocket. We've got a lunar rocket crew. We don't have a lunar module. Well, why don't we just go to the moon without the limb? What, you mean just go? Yeah, why not? Why not just go? That's actually not a bad idea. On some level, you could say it was basically um, marking time. You know, it was just kind of like a, almost like a, a station break. Like, uh, oh, we don't have the video of this. Well, let's talk about my fishing trip to, uh, to uh, Saskatchewan. Um, but, um, but they had the they they had the hardware and they had the confidence so they said let's do it and they did it and it was the great as i said in the apollo 11 series it was the single great roll of the dice in the in the apollo program and it was inspired um inspired and not only inspired in terms of the technology and all the rest of it the fact that they they didn't throw away their um, their testing program, but they reordered it. So basically, Apollo 9 became what Apollo 8 was supposed to be. That was the Earth orbit test of the lunar module, and then 10, 11, and then 10 was the full dress rehearsal and so on. But they went to the moon because they could. And um, 
And it was Christmas, and they're reading the book of Genesis, and and, and we're we. You know what Apollo 8 actually accomplished is we went to the moon in in 1968. We landed on it in 69, but Americans went to the moon in 1968. They went and they orbited the moon in 1968. Um, and, uh, and there you go. Um, and, uh, Wow, that's a great name I haven't seen before. Rippin Ellensworth says, with all the ruckus going on in 68, Apollo 8 was a breath of fresh air. It sure was. I remember seeing a documentary 30 years ago or something, a really long time ago, called uh, 1968, a crack in time or something. And they talked about just what a horrendous year that was. You know, Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy's assassination, you got the, um, the Martin Luther King assassination, you got the Watts riots, you got all this stuff. Um, and uh, so rather than just sitting on our hands, we said, well, let's do something. Um, John Pershing said that they covered it very well from the Earth to the Moon series that, uh, that Tom Hanks produced. And then he says in quotes, you saved 1968. Did somebody actually say that? Is that a direct quote from somebody at NASA or something, that they saved 1968? Because it was the last days of 1968. They were, they were on their way home from the moon on Christmas Day uh and um so that's that's it and you've got i don't remember when apollo 8 landed somebody will tell me in 10 seconds end of december which means you've now got a year to to do the moon landing because if you don't you're not going to make uh president kennedy's you know before this decade is out and by the way i doubt 1968 matches up with what's going on today Certainly, the country was freer in 1968 than it is today, but the contrast, I don't think, was as high. I, I look back, and I think about all the turmoil we see today and stuff. I think back to what did the greatest generation think when the 60s happened, you know? What did they think when they saw their own kids just doing nothing but LSD and rolling around in the mud and burning their draft cards? It must have lost their minds. Um, uh, yeah. And Dave, Booty, Dave Big Booty says Deke Slayton was played by international film and television star Nick Searcy. That's true. And I think Buzz Aldrin was played by um, Brian Cranston, wasn't he? Uh, so, anyway. Um, yeah, so it was basically just a, all right, well, we got a problem. And the problem is we don't have the hardware we need to do this in sequence, so let's do it out of sequence. And, and it worked just great. Um, okay. So there's the lead on Mars thing. Then there's a great question that I can't get to today because it's long and it's really brilliant, but it's from uh, uh, AxTM. And I'm going to read this and I'm going to, it's long, but it's deep. Um, so, uh, oh, it's actually kind of pointy. Let's have a look at this.
Okay, well, uh, it's a long article. Uh, it's a, not an article. Uh, it's a um, it's a question statement, and it's paragraphs and paragraphs. Looks interesting. So uh, we'll have a look. And that's it for this column. Uh, there's another one from last time, and we'll get to those next time. It's eight o'clock. We're going to get ourselves to uh, go see uh, Dune. Um, and uh, let's see if I missed anything here. There was a telegram that NASA received about that. That's great. Okay. Uh, I did not. Uh, I haven't checked emails in a long time. I'll check them tomorrow. Okay. Um, that's, I think, going to do it. Uh, so, um, as I uh, allude to, uh, I just today got the uh, chapter one of the animation with the sound effects and the score unmixed. Minor, minor, minor set of passes for the sound effects, but it's ready to go. We'll have it next week mixed. We'll run it on Stratosphere Lounge, I think. And we'll probably run it before we do the YouTube version. We'll probably just run it live. I think I have to look into that. I have to be able to figure out how that is going to work. Um, okay, anyway, that's it. So, um, as usual, the show is brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. Brought to me by them, too. And brought to her by them, too. Um, and we are uh, very grateful for all of you. Um, and uh, we've got a Moving Back to America called uh, Kick Me Up. We've got another four um, right angles coming up. We've got two good virtue signals that we shot today. And I'm going to come in tomorrow and shoot the second uh, Moving Back to America for the week. Uh, and um, I'll run that clip of the president, asterisk, of the United States saying <laughs> freedom. Okay. All right. They're not going to win. I know they're not going to win. I feel it in my bones. And I've been feeling it more strongly in my bones all the time. It's all about illusion. Uh, and um, uh, B-Fire said the China one I did a couple, last week was awesome. Thank you. That's kind of you. I appreciate it. I've heard good things about it. But it's a great example of the, right, of the, why we can't beat you, so we've got to get you to surrender. So, anyway, um, yeah, uh, let's go, Brandon. And um, and I would add, not only that, I would say, uh, let's go, Brandon, and the horse you rode in on. <laughs>